0: Good morning, church. I am glad that we are gathered together today as Generations Community Church. Uh, We are gathered not in the the worship center, but we are gathered in all of your homes. Uh, I hope you are uh, relaxed and and ready to worship. Maybe you got your Bible, uh, maybe you got your coffee, something to to drink there. Uh, But we are going to turn our hearts uh, towards God's word today. But before we do, I do want to remind you that uh, today is the first Sunday of the month. Uh, And so it is Communion Sunday, and so I hope you've uh, gathered maybe some bread and and some juice, and at the end of the service, we'll take... Uh, communion together Uh, and so just just a reminder both about communion and about our worship service uh, services Uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered there he is in the midst of them and so I want you to know uh, although sometimes it's easier to feel God's presence when we're gathered together as the church in the worship center uh, God is with you God is present with you you are church you are the church you are going to church if you want to use that language uh, this morning and we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us uh, today. I hope he already has through the, the wonderful music. So we are in a series called A New Hope, Overcoming Your Past and Embracing God's Future. Uh, and so we've been a couple Sundays into that. Uh, and today I, I want to kind of take us on a little bit of a journey uh, together. Um, and so I, I want to kind of start uh, with, with a question. And, and the question is this, have you spent significant time with someone who was aggressively wrong? Yes, someone who is aggressively wrong. Not, not just that they were wrong, because people are wrong, and if they have a sweet spirit about it, that, that's one thing. But 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 I mean aggressively wrong. The kind of people you have to resist the urge to roll your eyes or to guffaw when, when they say something. You just want to go, oh man. And, and not only that, but, but they, they push it. They push it on others. They push their, their ideas, even though you know that they're wrong. Um, or, or even worse than that is if you have to work with someone like that, and you have to work together on a project, and they're just, just, you guys just have completely different ideas about how it's supposed to go together and you can't agree on any of it, uh, that, that's really, really hard and, and it can make for uh, broken relationships. In fact, in the workplace, sometimes you just have to change partners or change teams or be in a different group uh, because it just doesn't work. And, and so uh, that context uh, of dealing with someone you really, 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 really believe in your heart of hearts is wrong and deeply wrong is actually the context for what we're going to talk about today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 15, uh, 1 through 13, and I'm going to focus on on 13 uh, a little bit later on, but that'll be the primary point. And so here's the scoop, Uh, and some of you know this from before, but the Roman church was deeply, deeply divided. Um, It had started out, it had been planted probably by Jews, uh, and and it had seen a lot of success, and it had grown, and lots of Gentiles got converted, and and Rome was very multi national kind of place and so people from all over the world and so um, the, the Roman Church w- was just kind of a wonderful example of God overcoming different ways of doing things and diversity and all of those sorts of things uh, and, and so it was just this wildly diverse place uh, but but it was run for the most part by the Jews we think. Um, and then uh, an emperor comes to power and kicks all of the Jews out of, of Rome, and so they all have to leave, and the Gentiles are kind of stuck there going, what are we going to do? We've got to continue on with the church, and, and you know they hadn't been in leadership, and so they, they step into leadership, and, and, and they begin to kind of take up the church, and the church continues to do well, and new people come in, and God's blessing all, all of that, um, and, and then after a, a while, the, the Jews get to come back, uh, and the Jews have kind of made this assumption that they're going to come back and take over, take up their positions again. And the Gentiles are like, whoa, well, well, wait a minute, you know. Uh, we've been doing this for a while, and we've been doing a really good job, and, and, uh, and so we think we should stay in charge. And the Jews are like, that's hard for them. And then in addition to that, and maybe worse... They've changed a bunch of stuff. They don't do it like they used to do it. And Jews had a very specific kind of religious sort of uh, perspective about how things should be done. And and even within Jews, there was like, you know, how how much should Gentiles observe the law? Uh, you know, so it wasn't just about how they worshipped. It was also about how they lived, you know. Should they be circumcised or uncircumcised? Do they need to keep all the, the commandments? All of those sorts of things. And there begins to be this huge division uh, in, in the Roman church, between the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, and, 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 it, and it's hard for them. And the, the Jews are, are, um, are offended by this. It, it, it's not just a little thing. It's, they perceive what the Gentiles are doing probably as disrespectful to God and to them. And uh, maybe even sacrilege. And, and they're, they're just deeply offended. It's a, a really big deal. And, and kind of the, the cry on both sides would, would be this. You're not doing it right. Right. You ever heard that in church, <laughs> or work, or at home, or someplace? You're not doing it right, uh, and that—that's just this kind of idea of you're wrong. You're just—you're wrong. Our way is right. Your way I- I- is wrong. And and in the Roman Church, each side thought the other side wasn't doing it right, uh, and so there's a there's a bitterness that, that that's developed. I I think they probably worshipped like this for a while, you know, where it's kind of like. I don't know about you and 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 honestly probably there were some shattered relationships people who had been friends and celebrated the diversity and all of those good sorts of things they had, you know they would eat in one another's homes so you got Jews and Gentiles homes and Gentiles and Jews homes and you got I mean it was just it was this wonderful thing and now all of a sudden it's all broken up and former friends are now enemies and and uh and so it, it's been hard for the church at this point they have like worship wars on steroids and it's not just about the music, which is kind of what it was in our time. But it's about everything. It's about all the aspects of worship. It's about how you live when you're not in worship. Uh, All of those sorts of things. There's power struggles going on as to who's going to be in charge. Uh, And and the Gentiles felt like, you know, the Jews were treating the Romans as second-class citizens as they were devalued and looked down upon and condescending and and so they develop kind of this hopelessness. Uh, probably they wanted to separate from one another. And, and Paul comes into that. He's writing the book of Romans into that context, right? To say, it's not okay for us to separate. You can't, you can't just go your separate ways. That the church is the church, and, and we're meant to, to be together. And we have to figure out how to set aside our differences. And, and, and first and foremost, above everything else, you all are children of the living God. That, that's so important. You are children. Well, no, no, I'm a Jew and I'm a children of love. I'm a Gentile. No, you are children of the living God. It, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Roman or a Corinthian or an Ephesian or an American or a Republican or a Democrat. I'm going to meddle a little today. You are first and foremost children of the living God. Say, children of the living God. I've been told I don't wait long enough, so I'm trying to wait long enough there. So, so th- th- that's, that's what Paul gets at in all of this, is the only way for this wildly diverse kind of group of people to come together is to come together under this one identity, that, that before anything else and after everything else has passed away, we are children of the living God. The fact that you're a Jew won't matter in 10,000 years in heaven. The fact that you're a Roman, even that you know, powerful citizenship won't matter in 10,000 years. Or a Corinthian, or a Ephesian, or an American, or a Republican, or a Democrat. None of that will matter. Your core identity is that you are a child of the living God, and we are all children of Him. And so, uh, to jump to our passage uh, today, Romans 15, verse 13 um, he, he's been kind of talking about how to come together. And this is how he kind of wraps it up before he goes into kind of the insular marks at the end. Uh, verse 13, he says, May the God of hope, I love that. We, I use this as his benediction. May the God of hope, the God who is himself hope, uh, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so let's start out looking at that, that phrase, the God of hope. Hope. This means that hope isn't just something God does. There's much more to this. That God is the source of hope. That hope comes from God, just like love comes from God. If you experience hope, even if you're not a believer, you experience it because God gives you hope. If you experience love, even if you're not a believer, you experience it because God gives you love. John Wesley called this prevenient grace, the grace that goes, goes before. And, and, um, and this, is, this is the very identity, the very being of Christ. Um, and the way I think about this if you ever met somebody that just seemed perfectly suited for their job they, they just you know that, that's what they did it just kind of flowed out of them you know it was who they were um, and I, I see this sometimes in artists, you know, they just, just the art just has to come out of them no matter what, even if they have to make their living at something else, uh, the art is the big thing. Uh, we have a, a, a an artist in our church, a photographer, uh, and he just has to take pictures or he just kind of, you know, makes his living another way, but but who he is is this visual artist, you know, or, or I've seen it in some of you guys who are engineers, no matter how hard you try, when you look at a problem, you think like an engineer, efficiency and pulling it apart and figuring out all the pieces and let's do the math you know who like who reacts like that to math you know it's just it's your identity it's who you are you 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 can't change it it's it's not just a a job it's it's what you are about and that's why God is the God of hope this is this is essential to his his being and so maybe say it like this hope isn't something God does it's who he is he is, it's not a chore for God to give hope. It just flows out of him. And you see this in Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought hope to people. Everywhere he went, he he left people better than they they were before. It's core value, it's core being to him to to be a hope giver. Say, hope giver. God is a hope giver. He gives hope wherever he goes. And and, and God has the greatest desire to give hope. Uh, In fact, I would tell you that God wants to give you hope more than you want to receive it. I believe that with all. Just like God loves your children more than you love your children, God wants to give you hope more than you want to receive hope for him because his capacity is greater. That's how big a deal it is. And so when you ask, I imagine, too much imagination. Well, I imagine when you ask for hope, God's saying like, I thought you'd never ask. What took you so long? You know, how come you haven't? This is core to who he is. In fact, when you kind of extrapolate this out, it comes down to this. Who you are matters more than what you think. And that was the point Paul was making to them, okay? Um, y- y- who you are matters more than, than what, what you think. Um, have, have you ever had a disagreement with like a sibling? Now, you guys probably all get along with your siblings. You never ever have disagreements with them. But my sister and I, although I love her, she's gone to be with Jesus now, we just saw the world differently. We're just, you know, I'm a kind of a logical kind of person, and I studied logic in college, and, you know, and, and she's like a real emotional person. She loved, worship music you know she was a good musician all of those kinds of things and that played out in all kinds of ways in our saying and so we did not always see eye to eye okay we and sometimes we had some pretty sharp disagreements you know surprise surprise Um, but at the end of the day even if we couldn't agree on something our core identity was we were siblings and we loved each other. And sometimes that was harder than others, but but that's what this idea is. And so what we thought, who we are, <laughs> who we are, mattered more than what we thought about the particular issue. And, and we weren't willing to sacrifice the other one. We weren't willing to, to just go our separate ways. We we were called to, to be together. And 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 so our identity mattered more than anything else. In fact, your identity trumps your opinions. Your identity in Jesus Christ is children of the Most High God. uh, It trumps all of your opinions. uh, And and if it doesn't, you're going to live a very, very lonely life. And so let me say it like this. Uh, You are not your opinions. You are a child of God. You are not your opinions. You're a child of God. And children of God come in all kinds of colors and shapes and languages and cultures and political parties, and perspectives about how things should be done, and governmental systems, and economic systems. But none of that lasts. Our identity is in in Christ. And so I'm going to just push a little bit, because we're kind of coming up on an election, so pastors worry about this. Folks you disagree with, they are created in the image of God. People in the opposite political party They are created in the image of God. And God loves them. And honestly, God loves them more than He loves their politics or your politics. They matter to Him. They are your siblings. They are created in the image of God. And even if they're far from God, even if they're not a follower of Jesus, they have God's DNA. They're they're a part of of who He wants to pull back, the the story of the the prodigal son that that they would come back. And so um, your Heavenly Father cares way more about their souls than your opinions. And, and you think I'm preaching about politics. I'm actually preaching what Romans was talking about with, with Paul. Your Heavenly Father cares way more about their souls than your op- opinions. Uh, God may not care about your opinion or my opinion, but I guarantee you He absolutely cares about how we treat people with whom we disagree. Me say that again. God may or may not care about your opinion or my opinion. But he absolutely cares about how we treat people when we disagree with them. And he will hold us accountable one day for that. That's why there's all these things about, you know, not slandering people, speaking the truth, you know, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those sorts of things. Uh, We we simply cannot give up our siblings. We cannot give up with those with whom we share identity. Uh, And and yet, I, I know we still say, but you're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. Uh, still they matter to God even if they're not doing it right. And so um, if hope is in our father's DNA, it has to be in ours because we are children of God. You carry, they tell me, exactly half your parents' chromosomes, your dad's chromosomes, and half your mom's chromosomes. You carry God's DNA in in you. Uh, You are a child of God. And because God is a God of hope, we are a people of hope. Think about that for a second. Because God is a God of hope, we are a people of hope. We have hope not because we're smart or clever or powerful or any of those. Things. We have hope because our God is a God of hope. And, and we have received this without cost. He's given it to us. And he expects us to extend it to the lost children, the lost siblings that are, that are out there. He has given you hope in Christ. Who needs hope in your community Listen to Luke 12, 48. This is one of those verses that always, um, I, I have to watch out for it because it, it weighs heavy. It says, "For from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. King James used to say, to whom much is given, much will be required. We have been given hope. That's one of the most valuable things there ever is because our God is hope, and hope is in our DNA, and and he he wants us to to reach out to others with this. And so here's how I would say it. You can bring hope to people who are wrong, because you still don't agree with them, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what what it says. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so abound in the English doesn't really capture the Greek word. The Greek word there actually carries the idea of overflowing. It's like when you fill a cup up and it just kind of runs all over everything and it, it overflows. And in the ancient world, that was a real big deal because resources uh, were scarce, you know. And so you did not let things overflow. You would catch it and you would give it away to someone else. And, and it's kind of this idea of if you have more than you need, you need to bless others with it. You don't let, you don't let it go to waste uh, in, in that. Um, when you have uh, more than you can use, you're supposed to give it to others uh, and not and not hoard it. And so when he uses the word abound, we don't quite get that, but it, it's really clear that, that abound means you, you don't get to just hold on to this hope. We don't, we don't just huddle as a hopeful crowd in here and, and pretend that the world is dark and dying and lost and going to an eternity without Christ. We, we bring hope to them. It abounds, it flows over. We have been filled up and, and we spread it all over the World. We need to get all the people that don't know Jesus just all messy with hope, just as it overflows and reaches them, because we will be held accountable. In fact, the Bible story that goes with this is the the ruler that the farmer that had great wealth and 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 he had so much he couldn't contain it all, and he said, "I'll build bigger barns, and so uh, I'll eat, drink, and." Be merry, and and, and God said to him, you'll eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die, because it was overflowing, and he, and he hoarded it. And there's nothing more valuable than hope. Share hope. Share hope with people who are wrong. Share hope with people that you struggle with and you disagree with. And 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 that may have, may, you may have to set your own opinions aside. Because even if they're way wrong and you feel really strongly about it, that was the context in which which Paul wrote the words that we read today. And so um, here's what I know about that for sure. What binds us together is vastly more important than what separates us. And this may become my phrase till the end of the election because it breaks my heart to see churches divided over politics. Okay? This is just a period of time. Presidents come and go. Congresses come and go. Governments come and go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and, uh, what binds us together, those of us that know Christ, that are in the body, that have experienced the hope, and actually what binds us to people who are outside the body because they have eternal life, they are our siblings, they're the ones that need to be brought back into the fold to, to come home, what binds us together is vastly more important than what separates us. Don't trade the eternal for the temporal. Let me, let me push a little. There's a verse that, that in fact, is part of this. It says, What does it profit a man if he gains a whole world and loses his soul? Let, let me twist it and make it a little more personal. What does it profit a man if he wins the political fight but loses his soul or loses his brother's soul? What does what it profit a man if he passes all the right legis- legislation but loses his soul or? Loses his brother's soul. What does it profit a man if we get all the right Supreme Court appointments, but we lose our souls, or we lose our brother's souls? Politics is not our hope. In fact, not even your brand of politics is our hope. Our hope is in the God of hope. And, and I can hear you say, yeah, but, yeah, but how, how will they... Get it right if I, I, don't, I don't straighten them out. You know, I've got to do something. I'll, I'll give you a quote from Billy Graham that I've really come to appreciate. And there's nobody that cared about lost souls and getting people right with God and the truth in Billy Graham. Uh, but he said this, It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. I, I love that, and it's spot on. Uh, and I know that, that this may come as a surprise to some of you, but persuading others is not your job. That's, only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Bible says that only when the Holy Spirit draws them. You, you can't do that. It's not your job to, to, to convict people. And, and I know this comes as a big surprise to some folks. Judging others, that is not your job either. That, that, that's the Father's job. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can see the heart. We just kind of judge by the outside, but he judges by the inside. Your job and my job is to love people, even people that are wrong, way, way wrong. We are called to love them. And that's what Paul was saying to the church with these Gentiles that looked at the Jews and said, you're wrong. And the Jews that looked at the Gentiles and said, you're wrong. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is this, we will never change what people think until God changes their heart. Let the Holy Spirit, that's why I said out uh, the overflow from the Holy Spirit, that would speak into all of this. We are called to love them to Jesus and trust that the Holy Spirit will straighten out their thinking eventually. And in fact, the interesting sort of thing is, despite the fact that this church is so divided and, and it just seems like it's about to go shipwrecked and it's so hard for them to love each other across these things, eventually, Rome becomes the center of Christianity. So I, I don't know what uh, all the, how this got through to them, but but. This is a church that goes on to be eventually the most powerful city church in, in the world in Christianity, and and then just can I offer something else? And the, none, I know it's kind of focused on politics, but it goes much bigger than this. Uh, what what if you're the one that's wrong? There's a passage that talks about in, in this just above this about. Um, about the weaker brother, doing what's right for the weaker brother. And, and I'll tell you, just my own journey. I, I, like I said, I, I grew up through legalism. And, and for a long time when I read that weaker brother passage, I was absolutely persuaded without any doubt that that was those, those, those wild, liberal uh, Christians that went to movies and and that, that you know, uh, went to dances and that, you know, wore wedding rings and that drank alcohol and that. And there was a, just a long list. And I was absolutely persuaded that, that they were the weaker brother and, and I was the stronger brother. And then one day God broke into my heart and life. And then through the scripture, I became aware of the fact that I was the weaker brother, that legalism is the weaker brother, That they had a freedom and a liberty and a grace in their life that that I didn't have. And I I experience that today and it's the most wonderful sort of thing. And and it's why I'm tolerant of those kind of folks. I I love them because I was once them. So consider the fact that maybe, just maybe, whatever it is you're talking about, you might be the weaker brother and not the strong brother. Not saying it's the case, just kind of suggestion. And so um, let me say this. Uh, Because the God of hope... Uh, because God is a God of hope, there is no relationship so badly broken that God cannot repair it. Because God is a God of hope, there is no relationship so badly broken that God cannot repair it. And I, I don't know where there are broken relationships in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. That's that's a really hard one. Uh, he's wrong. She's wrong. I'm right. God can repair that if you let the God of hope in. You know, maybe it's with children. Uh, Maybe it's at work. Maybe uh, it's in your community. Maybe it's with fill in the blank. But I know this, because God is a God of hope. The God of hope that brought together the Jews and the Gentiles to form what would become the strongest church in the history of Christianity is the same God that is working in your relationships. And there's, there's... no relationship that is broken that's not worth repairing, that God wants to heal and fix it because God is a God of hope. He just can't help himself. You, you want to walk away, you know, I'm going to just be done. And, and God's like, no, 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 you got to come. I, I can fix that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it requires both sides to submit to Jesus. And if you'll do that, there is hope because our God is a God of hope. Amen. 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 Well, we want to continue to worship at the Lord's table uh, together in communion. Um, and so if you have the elements, I want to encourage you to get them now and uh, pass them out amongst uh, yourselves. I'll give you just a couple minutes if you haven't uh, had that opportunity yet. Uh, the bread uh, that we'll talk about in just a minute and and, uh, and the, the juice, the fruit of the vine is what uh, the, Jesus called it. Um, and so... Uh, as you put that out to one another, if you just follow my instructions, I'll tell you when to go ahead and eat it uh, as, as we kind of go through uh, the process here together. Um, and I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is is in your, your place, is where you are. Uh, one of the things we do is we consecrate the elements and there's sometimes a little debate amongst theologians, can you, uh, can you do that remotely, uh, or does it have to happen here? And I absolutely believe it's the Holy Spirit that consecrates it. And so I say the words, but the Holy Spirit consecrates it here, and he consecrates it out there, uh, and, and he is the one that, that makes this moment holy. So let me pray as we prepare to worship the Lord at his table. Father God, Lord, there are not words to express how grateful I am that you are the God of hope. That, Father, when I was lost, when I struggled, when I was caught in legalism, Lord, you were the God of hope that came into the midst of all of that and spoke to me, Father. That you you loved me with all of my awkwardness and all of my uh, rough edges and all of the crazy stuff, Father. And if you still love me with all of my awkwardness and my rough edges and the crazy stuff. That you are a God of hope, Father. And there is, Lord, no greater symbol of that hope than then the Eucharist, the, the Thanksgiving meal, the, the love feast, communion. Uh, Lord, I, I just am so thankful that we can come together in this moment and celebrate, Father. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that for any broken relationships that there are out there, Father, that as we come to this meal, that, that you would speak to every heart, Father, and that you would give hope. That those relationships can be healed, Father, that you can uh, work in the midst of them. And as we come to this table that makes us one, no matter uh, where we worship or what we look like or our economic place or whatever, Father, that we are one in Christ, that we are children of the living God, that you would draw us together and that you would heal the relationships as the God of hope. We're reminded that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and when you had given thanks, you broke it. And gave it to them, saying, this is my body which was broken for you. Whenever you do this, do this remembering. Remembering what I have done for you. Remembering whose you are, your identity. And remembering that one day we will take this together in eternity. Let us take the body of the Lord. May the body of Christ preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Let us eat and give thanks after supper he took the cup and when he had again given thanks and I'm always amazed knowing that this represents his broken body and his shed blood he gave thanks having given thanks he gave it to them saying this is the new covenant in my blood which was shed for you whenever you do this remember Remember the price of your salvation. Remember the hope you have in Christ. And remember that you are a people of hope. May the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve us blameless unto everlasting life. Let us drink and be thankful. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the hope we have in you. Thank you for the table and the oneness that happens, Father, as all around the world People are gathering and celebrating your table today. We praise you, Father. We magnify you. We thank you, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would instill great hope in us that overflows to the world around us. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to uh, prepare for a time of worship uh, together. Uh, there are a number of ways that you can uh, give worship through giving together. There are a number of ways. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, in this. You can send a check in through the mail. Uh, That's a great way to do it. I know lots of people like to do that. You can give online. You just go to our webpage, uh, generationscommunity.org and you can just click on the give and you can give there. And I know lots and lots of you are starting to give electronically and we're so thankful for that. You can also text. This is is a cool way to do it. I'm going to have to try this sometime. Uh, You text uh, give784 to 77977 text text, GIVE784 to 77977. Uh, And of course, you can give on our app as well. If you haven't downloaded uh, the new app, I'd encourage you to do that. Just delete your old app and just re-download the new app. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, We just are so happy with uh, how you continue to give. Uh, So let's worship the Lord in giving. And our uh, our worship team is going to come and share with us again.